Coming up on This Week in Games, Director of Product at Jam City, Jenny Tai is here to co-host. Zingo acquires Peak Games. Playtika plans a $10 billion IPO, and Playworks acquires a PC game studio. Coming up, This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and today I'm joined by Director of Product at Jam City, Jenny Tai. She's also a director at the nonprofit Advancing Women in Product. Jenny and I met while working together at Zynga San Diego on various Match 3 games, which is perfect considering our news stories this week. Jenny, why don't you say hello to everyone? Hi, thanks for having me. All right, first up, Zynga acquires Peak Games for $1.8 billion. So Turkey-based Peak Games has its remaining division acquired by Zynga in a $1.8 billion deal, which breaks down to $800 million, $900 million in cash, $900 million in Zynga shares. This comes after 2017 acquisition of Peak Games' casual card game division for $100 million. This mostly consisted of Peak Games' flavor of common card games like Spades or Rummy. Um, yeah, what do you what do you think about that? I mean, I guess the acquisition was basically for Toon Blast and Toy Blast. I don't think Peak Games has other games. No, I mean, I think they always have something developing, but I mean, honestly, it's it's probably a good call on Zynga's part, right? They're not really developing anything in-house. I don't think they have the ability to really develop in-house anymore. So, this is a great slam in the dunk for them. Okay, let's take a step back. So, why do you think Zynga acquired them? Cuz CEO Frank Jabot basically said, I think, something about forever franchises, um, blah, 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 getting too far. Is that why you think they purchased this company? At the end of the day, it's about cash flows and how what the revenue opportunities are, right? Like, Peak Games is still pumping in, like, I don't know, like $3 million per day between Toy Blast and Toon Blast. And then added to that, maybe some ad revenue opportunities. That's more than, like, any of the existing portfolio games they have. Okay, interesting. So if you look at Toon Blast and Toy Blast, Toon Blast is a mainstay in top 10 grossing games overall, and Toy Blast is commonly in the top 20 grossing, uh, both of which obviously are top 10 grossing for the puzzle category. Um, now, Peak Games also has 100 employees, so you have to remember about that, and Zynga may or may not keep them after the acquisition, because that's a lot of... Like, if they're going to treat these two truly as forever franchises, which it seems to be what they're doing, and you just said, you know, Zynga isn't exactly making a ton of new games and launching them, that's a lot of people to keep on board when they already have so many product managers and analysts. What do you think is going to happen to those 100 people? Well, if I were, like, the CEO of Peak Games, I hope I negotiated my way properly and at least sealing the deal for my team, right? Like, I mean, they'll probably be untou- untouchable for at least three years until yeah. they'll earn out. So they don't really have to worry. And then it's up for them to decide, do they want to be a part of Zynga or do they want to explore other opportunities, right? They have, I think their last acquisition actually turned out pretty profitable. So once you hit those profitability targets, you actually get free a pass, right? You can do whatever you want. And given their revenue to employee ratio, I think they're fine. Like, Compared to like some of the other games and how big those studios are, 100 people for $3 million per day, that's nothing. Yeah, that's true. 
Another point to discuss is Zynga's own match three division, which we sadly know very well. <laughs> and uh, their upcoming giant bet, Harry Potter and the whatever, whatever, <laughs> match three magic nonsense. <laughs> so do you think this acquisition is to get a stronger foothold um, into puzzle top grossing to cross promo those users into this Harry Potter game? Could be. I mean, it's expensive play but i mean acquisition costs are also super high nowadays yeah i wouldn't say the acquisition of pete games is solely to, to save that game so for people who don't know um yeah like match three and a lot of match three isn't the highest like i would say social casino maybe whatever war strategy nonsense those are higher but match three is pretty high for cpis um that's how much you have to pay to get a user to install your game and uh you know like they, the cost for acquiring new users keeps going up. The lifetime value of every user, you know, goes up a little bit depending on the game, but like hasn't matched the growth for cost of that user. And so, yeah, I, I accuse a lot of companies on this podcast of acquiring games solely to offload them onto their other games as a cheaper form to UA. Do you think that? If that's honestly what they're doing, I think it's completely stupid, right? Toy Blast and Toon Blast, whatever those games are, they they have a loyal fan base, and it's a very different demographic than Harry Potter fans that are like like you know grown up and millennials at this point. And if they're if they're, that's what they're doing, like it's a waste of one point eight billion dollars, honestly. Well, the other thing you have to think about is like, you know, it's not cheap to get Harry Potter. Okay, so they're probably dropping a giant amount of money millions and millions of dollars to sign the contract and then they have to give whoever (laughs) jk rowling or whatever holdings company and wb and all these people a giant chunk of that like monthly revenue i think it's normally paid like pre whatever the top line revenue is before all the cuts of like google and apple so you're paying a ton to them and then you have to hit minimums too and if you don't hit those minimums then you just pay them cash out of your own funds and then after that google and apple take their cut and so you know this harry potter zinga game was also in development for i think two years nda's over i can say that um <laughs> and so like that that is something i consider is like it's it's kind of weird for them to drop the money on two behemoths of top 10 grossing mobile right before this big, giant, expensive Harry Potter bet is coming out. But the Harry Potter game isn't a collapse game, right? Like, That's true. Yeah. Like, I've never seen it work well where you take one game and try to dump, an, like, those users into another game, right? The, the best it's ever worked is, like, when King tried it with the Soda game versus that yeah. Soda saga. But even then, it ate into the original market share. Mm. So what was the point of it? That's true. <clears throat> That's true. Okay, last question is, and you can think about this for Zynga as well, is I don't read into, you probably have a better eye for like your business experience and everything. I don't read into their quarterly earnings as well as I should because frankly, I don't understand accounting, you know, to that level. Just being on the outside and pulling information out of my ass, I look at some of these acquisitions when they buy some of these companies and they're paying, Zynga's paying premiums for these companies. Like, very expensive amount like that empires and puzzles company what was that like 700 million or something crazy right and so they're paying crazy amounts for these companies they're not getting a discount on these acquisitions do you think they're just buying these companies and then it's an ever 
like self-enforcing cycle of Wall Street upping Zynga stock value. And then they, you know, I think they got a 5% boost, which equated to over like a billion dollars in evaluation. And that maybe allows them to offload more stock to re-up their war chest for another big acquisition. And now we're in this circle where Frank Chabot can't make a hit game at Zynga. So he's just forever like making these acquisitions, bumping up the stock and then selling stock and then using that war chest. Do you think that's what's going on here? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for the most part, if you look at it, I don't, I, I don't think Zynga's taken on debt yet. So these are mostly mostly cash or equity yeah, right yeah so <clears throat> that's actually pretty good if you think about it like, yeah i don't think they've taken on i don't remember reading them like selling convertible notes or raising yeah bonds. so depending on how much debt each of the companies are acquiring yeah. right like you have to take on that debt and then you just like convert like their equity options whatever like other investors just buy them out and it's like everything becomes zingas yeah yeah and i guess at this point you know like the top 10, top 100 grossing games isn't shifting that much, you know? So, and <clears throat> Zynga's proven over and over again that they can't develop an in-house hit game. I wouldn't be surprised if like, I mean, I think we were at Zynga when they bought those card games. Yes, from Peak. yes. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if back then they made a deal, but the stock just wasn't, it was like, what, $2 a pop? So it was nothing compared to where it so is So that today. was a rumor I read in researching this, is that Zynga actually was going to make an acquisition proposition to them back then, but actually didn't have the money. And, like, arguably, Peak Games was worth more than Zynga maybe back then. Um, but I would say, like, those games, those casual card games, so they bought these, like, Gin Rummy and other games for, like, $100 million. Now, that happened when I was working there, and the thought process was that actually we were buying users then that those games weren't worth a hundred million dollars bundled but they had a ton of active users and there was a lot of overlap between those users and maybe other higher earning games like social casinos and poker and stuff yeah i think at the time that probably was the strategy but again time and time again they've tried to dump users into other games and how well do those ltvs hold up right you end yeah. up churning more users and it was like just a waste of acquisition so at that point it's like they probably shifted strategy at some point just like hey let's just have these great companies operate on their own because it's honestly better when Zynga doesn't touch them yeah um <clears throat> and just buy them out and then have it as like in their portfolio yeah and and i keep shitting on Zynga for not making games but it's not like peak games i mean like i forgot which one came first toy blast or tomb blast uh i think I, toy blast did toy blast came first i mean tomb blast is basically the exact same thing as toy blast yeah. and like peak games isn't making hits ever since then and so you know, for them, it makes sense. This is a giant payday. They build a company and then now they get to like reap the rewards. And they really haven't grown in two years outside of just keeping those two up and top grossing. Yeah. And I think honestly, even prior to the initial Zynga acquisition, they weren't even looking for funding, yeah. right? So they were pretty profitable at the hundred people where maybe they were smaller than, so they were operating pretty well. Yeah. What do you think this says to the overall mobile game industry and in that, you know, the consolidations are getting pretty crazy now because we Zynga's, you know, considered a mainstay giant in mobile, but like Peak Games was up there. And now, at least in the U.S., it definitely feels like we have, you know, Zynga, your company, Jam City, and then maybe Scopely and what other big U.S. 
conglomerates that own top grossing games are there yeah um yeah not much right there i think kavam is still around kavam kavam got bought out by someone i mean all of them have like some form of investment even if they're on the private side yeah, right? yeah. and then not no one's really ipoing um well we'll nowadays. get to that <laughs> um yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be a company and have the size of staff in a consistent manner, right? If we were able to operate small like P Games did and still pump out like a good revenue share, it was sustainable. But I think most of these companies, the amount of staff they keep is just super high. Look at Zynga. Yeah. Look at even, I'll even say it, my, my company now, it's the ratio of like revenue to employees are incredibly terrible yeah you look at all these companies and in mobile games nowadays and they're all built off of like one game that they got through to top grossing and maybe that game so like the classic one is playrix right so playrix got fishdom up there and then fishdom helped whether or not fishdom helped gardenscapes or not gardenscapes got up there but then gardenscapes definitely opened the door for homescapes and all these other games and you know, Zynga has that with poker and words with friends still to this day. And and Farmville back in the day. And Farmville back in the day. And like, but now it's like, yeah, these anchor games aren't, there aren't new anchor games. Like, I can't think of like new major hit games that are anchors. Like, you have those Marvel and Star Wars games that pop up. But Yeah, it also depends on the strategy. Like, P could have said no to this acquisition, yeah. right? And then they could have made their Tomb Blast, Toy Blast, their anchor game, and then just expanded that way. It really depends. Well, right? you wonder if they tried, and that's why they're selling. Yeah, and, and maybe that's what they tried with the Gin Rummy and all those other card games, right? And it just wasn't as profitable, and they, and they just didn't want to keep going anymore yeah right <clears throat> yeah interesting interesting times i mean it's just a further consolidation like i i cover you know a company here and there doing like a, i don't know five million series a right but like those games never pop up in top 100 grossing hardly ever i'd say lily's garden was the last one that i covered fundraising that actually is up there making money and they're from what I can tell, spending a lot to get up there. Five million won't even cover a yeah. month's cost in acquisition right nowadays. Yeah, I I covered a few publishers that were actually being public and saying, if you publish our your game with us and we think your game will be a hit game, we're like all games that get published with us, we'll give you ten to thirty million UA, which at the time I thought was insane. And now I look at it and I'm like, no, after, after over two years. 10 to 30 million UA is kind of like the bare minimum at these days and age. And these games really are made with like work from home programmers or remote contract programmers for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's, yeah. And you have to think about like, we're thinking of us costs, right? Yeah. And peak is based in Turkey. Yes. So the costs there are just significantly different and lower. Yeah. 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 Interesting times. All right, let's move on to our next story. So this is another Kind of big one, and I'll spout off some information that I wrote down. So, Playtika plans on raising $1 billion through an IPO with a $10 billion valuation. So, Reuters is reporting Playtika has hired Morgan Stanley and other investment banking firms to raise $1 billion at a $10 billion valuation through a US IPO, likely, I guess, on the NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. Um, and then one more thing, and then we'll jump into it. According to Sensor Tower estimates, Playtika currently makes 
24 million a month in revenue, and 14 of that 24 million comes from Slotomania. Most of the other revenue comes from World Series of Poker and Caesars Casino slots, which I guess directly competes with Slotomania. So Playtika, $10 billion valuation, really off like one slot game and two other pretty healthy games. That's a lot. A tenth of the company they're going to sell publicly for a billion dollars. What do you think? Uh, no comment. <laughs> no comment. Well, all right. I'll, I'll spout off some more information and we can talk about this. This comes as the U- U.S. Senate passed a bill requiring all public companies on U.S. stock exchange to be reviewable by the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. And Israeli-based Playtika actually isn't Israeli-owned anymore. Playtika was acquired in 2016 by a Chinese firm, Giant Network Group, for $4.4 billion. So keep that in mind. They're trying to IPO for $10 billion. They were acquired in 2016 for $4.4 billion. And then that leads an obvious question is like, do you think Playtika, I mean, like, has grown $6 billion? What is that, like 2.5 times? No, I mean, I think Playtika's been making a lot of acquisitions in the past few yes. years. Right, just kind of going kind of the Zynga approach of like widening their portfolio, getting that top line number to grow. But at the end of the day, so interesting, I think I was reading that the um, the giant interactive or whoever owns Playtika yes. actually was listed on the New York Stock Exchange, Ooh. but has been since delisted. So I don't know if that's like a, a play. They're just trying to use Playtika uh. backdoor into the New York Stock Exchange to access that capital yeah, again. Yeah, so but- they get Playtika on there, then they start moving their asset to make Playtika an umbrella for a lot of their assets. Yeah. To pump, juice up the act. Yeah. Right, because I think they're like a, an MMO RPG company out based out in China or yeah, something. Yeah. They're, but not one of the bigger ones either. No, no. And speaking of Playtika acquisition, so since Playtika was acquired in 2016, they've acquired Jelly Button Games, Wooga, Super Treat, and Seriously. So Playtika itself has grown in these acquisitions. But again, when I check the monthly revenue of a lot of these games, like they're not really making that much money at any of these companies. So Playtika, you're really like betting on Slotomania and like maybe two or three other games. And again, like I have to look at this and it's like, you know, they were acquired for $4.4 billion in 2016, but nothing's really changed on their like you know asset list since 2016 yeah but i mean again this isn't the valuation that they're actually offering yes. this is they're they're hopeful right so yeah. they have made some strategic hires in this area to kind of help pump that cash flow basically yeah i assume they're going to go with morgan stanley and some supporting investment making firms that's why they didn't even list the other one so i guess morgan stanley will be their point firm and then they'll do the traditional road show and try to get like a bunch of mutual funds and pension funds to pop in i don't know i mean they've made a lot of acquisitions all they need is one of them to show like yeah. hey they're they need like a play rex a two yeah. glass that basically goes into the top charts generating a lot of cash and that's all they need. But the other thing, you know, we were just talking about how top grossing games don't change anymore. And the money that you have to spend to break into there is getting bigger and bigger. So maybe by sheer factor that Slotomania has been a top 10 grossing game for 
since the iOS store opened. I don't know when this game came out, but like that sheer fact maybe alone is worth the $10 billion, right? Because it's kind of like a blue chip. Like, you know that thing's going to print money every month. Yeah, but the social casino is just not that big. It's not ever going to be a Toon Blast. It's never going to be a Candy Crush that just has a volume of people. Mm. So even if it's top 10 grossing or whatever that the reach it has is still smaller than some of the its competitors. Yeah, because if you acquired Candy Crush Th- Saga, theoretically, you could cross-promo some of those users to other stuff. But Slots users, it's a lower DAU, MAU yeah. to begin with, and then they're less likely to go to like some of these other games probably. Maybe. Yeah, and but that's just the whole game of that, that world, right? Yeah, yeah. The, it's an interesting one. Um I guess they haven't filed an S1 from what I've seen. No, I think it's too early for them. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. This is, I mean, this borderline was rumorville for me, but because you're here and like, you know, I feel like we we both know this space somewhat well, so we could talk about it. And then last up, this isn't that big of a story. Playrix acquires Katia Games. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Croatia-based Katia Games was acquired by Playrix for the proverbial undisclosed amount. Um, Katia has a long list of like these casual games that run from like, you know, point-and-click adventures, hidden object stuff to like very simple strategy games. They seem to be aimed towards, I guess, like I hate to say the stay-at-home mom, but my mom would play these games, so that's the category that I put it in. Um, and their main market is PC, but a lot of their games are slowly appearing on tablet and mobile. They have 40 employees. They're going to be rebranded Playrix Croatia and will only work on mobile free-to-play games from here on out, according to Playrix. So what do you think about, like, so this is, uh, actually probably like the second or third time Playrix is acquired with seems to me a random ass company and then rename them Playrix that geography in the world like what do you think about what playrix is doing right now you know it's interesting when we began the show we were talking about like expansion strategies and how growth right so i mean playrix is just doing what zynga is doing they're trying to grow their company right but this is a more random acquisition than uh you know zynga they, they got natural motion they got Peak games, they got that empires and outlet. Whatever. I don't. I don't know if it's a, that unnatural. I mean, like think about Playrix in the old days. It it yes. actually started off in PC world, right? Very similar to this company. Yeah, and yeah. and honestly, I think we weigh too heavily on like mobile and all this stuff because we're in the US. Mm-hmm. But you don't know the demographic. You don't know the playing style when you start going into Eastern Europe. That's true. You start going to and there's like a whole untapped market over there, right? Yeah. So. They might be onto something, right? Now that they've achieved some success with all their escape games, they're just seeing like this could be a good fit. So when you're looking at acquisitions, it's not just about how much revenue are they bringing. It's like how much can the talent seamlessly like interact and that could be their play. Yeah, that's very true. I think we're all hyper-focused on mobile because we have Sensor Tower and App Annie and Super Data to just tell us how much money's in mobile and how much money these companies are making. But you don't have that for this casual PC like dark web. Like no one knows how much what Big Fish Games makes on their PC. Like, yeah, and and again, like we're also coming at it from a very very Western view. Like all of us, we operate in the mobile world. Yeah. But like 
I don't even know. Do they even have like modern mobile phones out in Eastern Europe? I'm sure they. There's like Android is predominantly <laughs> yeah. yeah but, but they're like the lower chipset, the lower maybe. quality ones, right? Yeah. Like I I don't know. What I don't know. I I don't know. Either. They don't have yeah. Google over there to to make them new phones every year, so. That's true. <laughs> I can't say, or Apple for that matter. Yeah, I, I would imagine it's mostly Android centric and it's mostly the, I don't want to say budget phones, but like, you know, the bare minimum to support whatever the latest Android version is. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's just interesting because Playrix is kind of like going in this, they're based in Ireland, right? No, they're in Russia. Playrix? Playrix? I thought they were based in Ireland. Uh-oh. We're, we're about to break. No. Headquarters. So, oh, you're right. They're in Russia. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They they got the whole Eastern Europe, that whole corridor covered. Yeah. It, it's, it's very interesting because Playrix, in my opinion, makes so much money off of their hit games that seem to be like almost hit games by accident. Like they didn't clearly planned fishdom to be this like mega top 10 grossing game right and like but they could go a more zynga jam city scopely route and start acquiring more mobile centric studios but you're right they're going this other route and they're trying to like it seems like they're trying to buy they're they're saying like oh this is this market and they like draw a line like risk around a bunch of countries and then they buy a studio randomly in there and then rename it Playrix that area. So it's less about renaming. It's more about, hey, let's look at their user base, right? We only see their top line revenue yeah. of like they're growing X billions of dollars, right? Yeah. And even like Zynga or Jam City, we're acquiring users predominantly in, in what we're calling tier one geos, right? That's the US, Canada, yeah. whatever. But we're completely forgetting about the stuff that is happening in Eastern Europe and Brazil, South America. There's still a market for it. Maybe CPIs don't really work in the same terms that our companies are used to but maybe it's because we're on the wrong platforms right we go into kind of pc you acquisition costs are lower it's a whole new world like we have honestly ever since we left facebook we haven't really touched it interesting yeah that makes sense all right that's it for this week if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Also, leave me a comment and let me know how I'm doing. You can email me at eric at thisweekingames.com, E-R-I-C at thisweekingames.com if you have any comments or suggestions on future story. And lastly, please check out the show notes for any stories you heard on today's episode. That's it for This Week in Games. I'm Eric McConnell. and I'm Jenny Tai. All right. We'll see you later.